Welcome to The Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And in this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with a renowned curator, filmmaker, and writer. My guest is the founder, chief executive officer, and the artistic officer of Black Star. Black Star Projects is the producer of the Black Star Film Festival, an annual celebration of the visual and storytelling traditions of the African diaspora and global communities of color, showcasing films by Black, Brown, and Indigenous peoples from around the world. Please welcome Mayori Carmel Holmes. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. Um, and I have been looking forward to this. Like I've been kind of poking around. You've probably seen some names that um, you might recognize, what have you. Um, Taib is one of them. <laughs> and uh, I was like, finally, we're getting here. It's like <laughs> me fighting the final boss is a version of that a little bit. <laughs> so uh, shout out to you. I've really been looking forward to this. Um, so I want to start off. I mentioned like filmmakers and, and things of that nature. I want to start off with sort of the... Some people will call it the origin story. Some people call it like, this is when I first became creative. Can you like share a bit about like, what was it like, like growing up? And when did you first discover your your passion for film? Was there any movies like early on or filmmakers early on that left the impact on you as a youth? Yeah, I mean, I think my first uh, real interest in moving image came from music videos. Um I was just one of those kids, you know, obsessed with MTV and watching videos constantly um, and really, really curious about how they were made. I used to watch the like behind the scenes when they did it for Thriller and when they would, you know, when there'd be like a music video premiere, which is so hard to even imagine now. But, you know, in the 90s, that was a thing. And I would love to watch the making of and I, I really was really interested in them. Um, I don't didn't really get into film as a like art form itself until later in high school. Uh, my mom uh, was friends with some independent filmmakers. And so, you know, we would go to their films. I remember going to uh, like the National Black Arts Festival and other summer festivals with my mother and seeing Daughters of the Dust and Sankofa and being exposed to all of that stuff in high school. Um, and then, you know, also I was in high school from 91 to 95. So I think about the like era of Miramax and the Merchant Ivory films and so many amazing, like just that like beautiful time of the like indie with a budget kind of situation. And so uh, shock a lot. I think about, um, oh gosh, House of Spirits and like Water for Chocolate and just all of those kind of like period films yeah. at that time were just really, really um, interesting to me. I also really loved uh, uh, Dangerous Liaisons. Um, but all of those 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 big costume dramas were huge for me. I dig it. I, I've um, <laughs> I've watched a few of those sort of a little, little further back, but um uh, I was asked by my partner to watch Amadeus because those are her types of movies. Mm -hmm. And she was like, we weren't dating at the time, but she had mentioned, she was like, you know, this is kind of you, right? Like personality wise. <laughs> and then having like a friend and I was like, oh, this is just playing out at the day job we were all at. I was like, wow. I was like, once you get past the ruffles, it's <laughs> a lot here. <laughs> and, um, and also, yeah, I, I liked your, your point earlier about um, music videos. That's a that's a that's a big thing. I remember it was um, 
you know, like just you're you're rushing home. Uh, I, I remember this is so ridiculous, but it relates to Baltimore because, you know, I was a high schooler when the thong song came out and everyone rushed home to see, like, what is this that's going to happen? Because it's like one of our guys here locally doing his own thing, you know, Cisco doing his own thing. And it's like, what is this video? It's like primetime premiere rush home, see that. And even like making a video, the whole series and things of that nature. And, you know, one time I sat down with some friends and, you know, I was kind of talking through like, how can we remake the video? You ever, you ever have one of those videos? They're like, mm, it's not what I thought this was going to be. Yeah, for sure. I do that often with my mom. We recast things and we've been doing that my whole life. Um, so I totally understand. <laughs> you <get it. laughs> so you you have a background in filmmaking as well. So I let's do. let's let's talk about that a little bit. Like how did that come about and like how do you approach storytelling? I have some sub questions in there, but I at least want to, you know, start off there, like having that sort of interest and turning that that interest um to like application to like kind of diving in and making film. Um, well, I I have an interest in a lot of things. Um photography and my first love is dance. Um my co-first love is uh, fashion and clothes. So I've been interested in those things as long as I can remember. And then I was involved in theater. People were always telling my mom to put me and my brother in front of a camera because we were so dramatic. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had some skill for it. So we were in theater companies and in plays. And um yeah, I, I've been engaged in the arts in some form or fashion all the time. I have, I could draw. So, you know, I was always engaged in visual arts. And I also was really invested in um, the humanities. I won't say like all of academics, math was not exciting to me, um, but history and English were really exciting, especially history. And so um, I also really passionately like pursued my academics and was kind of confused about what to do as a career because I didn't know any artists who made money and I was really interested in having money. Um, mostly out of, you know, wanting to be comfortable in a certain kind of way. And so um, pretty early on, like around, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I started kind of like being unclear about the future because on the right. one hand, I was really interested in how to, you know, orientation toward the arts, but then I also wanted to be comfortable. <laughs> and so um, that started a really long period of straddling between a professional life, I'll say, for a shorthand and an artistic one. Although obviously you can be a professional artist and there are professional jobs that are very creative. But, you know, when you're a kid, you don't know those lines. And so I thought, oh, maybe I should try to be a lawyer. Maybe I should try to... Um, be a journalist at one point. That's actually what I ended up applying to go to undergrad for. Um, but still wasn't, was always every, you know, time I'd sort of pursue something, I'd still be confused because I'd find myself pulled by all these things. And then I made the mistake, um, not the mistake, but I had the good fortune actually to be introduced to the music industry um, early on and started working in that, which further confused things because obviously that is both creative and professional. Um, and so all that to say, my making of work um, has always been sort of like sitting right next to me, but then also all these other things. And um, I studied history in undergrad, had a dance minor, 
um, although I did participate in film. And then I decided to apply to film school for graduate school um, for my first graduate degree. And um, so I have made work and I thought that when I finished, I would, my film went around to a bunch of festivals. I thought I would, um, you know, maybe have a career making film, but I finished graduate school in 2005. It's a completely different atmosphere 20 years later, you know? And so I applied for a couple of grants. I didn't get them. And I had also had some not great experiences while in graduate school with faculty. There's one professor who I remember very clearly telling me, like, I didn't have any talent. And so, you know, as a young person, you kind of like, well, the things that people are praising me for, which is like organizing shows and, you know, a lot of my contacts with the music industry followed me to Philadelphia. And so I found myself like, hanging around musicians and doing PR for them and, you know, uh, organizing things. And so I continued to kind of move in that direction and it turned into um, a career in nonprofit arts administration. Um, And, but always still like wanting to do something in film. Um, I probably should have left Philadelphia after graduate school to, to really work in film, but I ended up getting married. And so I was still here And I was like, how am I going to do something in the field? And um, after taking my first film to a bunch of festivals, I fell in love with festivals. I was like, these are such amazing places to meet people, to make connections, to see other work. And so I started a festival for women um, in 2007 and did that for two years. And then when the market tanked, we kind of tanked the project with it. It was really, really hard. I had no idea what I was doing. Anybody who starts a festival, just like anyone who starts a documentary, it's like, it's better that you don't know what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I've been, you know, formally engaging with work since graduate school, either making or curating or, you know, producing for other people. I do costumes. Um, so almost every year I've been in some production, if not directing of my own. I sometimes direct music videos. Um, I'll do costumes. I'll produce. Um, I don't really write for other people, um, but I, um, yeah, those are those are the three spaces I find myself. I was going to say it's more than that. You're doing everything. I'm, I'm sitting here like, all right, I'm unqualified. I'm unqualified. I am unqualified. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for that. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no, it's 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 great to hear hear that. I mean, you know, you, you think back, I, I think back in, in being younger and thinking about like, what do I want to do when I all of that different stuff? And I joke about it on occasion. The real story is I wanted to be a comic book artist. The mm-hmm. sort of fake story is what I had interest in it. I want to be a comic book artist and an astronaut because those things exist. Mm-hmm. And um, it it didn't work out. And I, I went to a school here with my work, with my portfolio and all of that to see if I can get in. And they said, you're not talented. It's very childish. And, you know, at 13 or 12 or whatever I was, and not and kind of being the only like arts oriented person in my family, I didn't have the sort of the, how do you conceptualize this? How do you take this feedback? And what do you do with it? Yeah. So, um, and and I, I I think it's one of those things where you get to a point you're like what am I what am I good at what am I going to do especially when you want to do something that is creative but also you need to make money I mean I relate <laughs> and um, you know I had this uh, job coming out of um, coming out of college first job I had making the most money I've ever had but I want to say 
within about a year and a half, I was burnt out. You ever hear someone being burnt out at 24, you know, and it was, it was wild. So ultimately I just was listening to a podcast one day and I was like, how did they do that? So did that curiosity, that music video level curiosity, how did they make this? And I'm just listening and I was like, I know they're going to slip up. I know they're going to say what the gear is and so on. So going back to 2009, that's when I bought my first equipment, did my first podcast, and I've been podcasting since mm-hmm. while still having this sort of data day job thing. And I look at it as the day job is the funder for my fun art stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how so many people exist, right? Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's let's talk about... um. Let's let's talk about Black Star a little bit because um you know we were you were kind of touching around some of the you know arts administrators being in that sort of lane so let's let's talk about um the you know can you provide some um the can you provide an overview of, of the mission of Black Star how did it come about and I think there's some significance around like the name so I definitely want to get that as well yeah um so I decided to go back to graduate school and pursue an MFA in costume design. I went to CalArts, so I left Philadelphia and moved to Southern California or back. I'm from there originally, but um, moved away from the life that I had built and um, started going back. And then I decided to leave school after a year and, um, you know, sort of back to the finances. I needed a job. I wasn't finding anything in L.A. immediately. And my former job in Philly offered me a raise. So I came back. And um, I was determined if I was going to be in Philadelphia again, that I would need to make sure I was involved in the arts and definitely in filmmaking of some kind, Um, because I had, you know, done this big thing of going to graduate school and dropped out. And uh, one of the things I realized in graduate school was that I love costume. Um, I love clothes, like very passionately. I love design, but I didn't want to be someone's costume designer costume designer like it's so collaborative but I was like I really want to direct like I I don't want to have some director telling me what they think about you know these costumes so um you know I was determined to make film and I was determined to um, keep myself engaged in filmmaking and so I started having these brunches when I got back and would just invite filmmakers and friends who were in the you know in the world and I also started curating a film series with a friend um, and we, that friend decided to take, we were doing the film series every month and she said she was taking the summer off. And I, um, particularly at that time, I'm getting better the older I get, but a decade ago I had no chill and I was just like, well, I don't know what that means. Like I'm going to keep working. And so I was like, what can I do that's different from the series we're doing? And I started thinking about doing like an arts festival writ large, like a bigger sort of thing. But I started with film because that is, you know, um, a place where I had some expertise. And so um, it was going to be a focus on Africa. um, And I started thinking about films that hadn't screened in our city in Philadelphia and in any form, any repertory or other festivals. And very quickly, I had a list of like 30 films. It was kind of ridiculous, like Terrence Nance's film had not screened here. And, you know, I could go on and on the films that had not played from 2011 and 2012. And so um, I stopped thinking about other disciplines. And I was like, actually, I think this is a film festival. 
or at least this, you know, like this one time thing, it's going to look like a film festival. And some of these brunches, you know, I had been meeting with these folks. I had another meeting and I brought some folks together and I was like, Hey, would you be down to help organize this? And, um, I was also doing, um, some freelance, like, um, book design and, uh, working with my good friend Yaba Blay on her book, One Drop, around that same time. And I don't remember if it was in one of our meetings around the book or just as friends or what, but in trying to figure out the name for this event, she suggested Black Star um, as a nod to Yaba's uh, from her parents are from Ghana. So obviously, Black Star is so huge to Ghanaian culture, but it's also huge to Pan African culture overall, right? Like you think about. Rastafarian um, symbology and uh, symbolism. And you think about um, just who, what Nkrumah means to, you know, many things. So just thinking about Black people and the art of light, which is what cinema is, and also thinking about Afrofuturism, which at that time was, you know, becoming such a buzzworthy thing to kind of discuss. And then also this connection to Pan-Africanism and the African diaspora, all of that at one time, just, it was like, oh, this would be a really great name. And, you know, yeah, it was also Yaba's idea to make it one word. Um, and so, yeah, that's how we got the name of it and the festival, having it in August, making it, you know, part of the lineage of Black August. Yeah. Um, that's how we began. I'm sitting here just eating this up, you know, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's, I mean, um, as a person that's tried, and, and we, we'll probably talk uh, off mic about it, but as a person that's tried to like say, hey, you know, we have this stuff that's been here. Why don't people know about it? And taking it upon myself to try to do a monthly series of uh, of films that is provocative. I was like, shot in Baltimore. And they're like, are you trolling us? I was like, no, these movies were filmed here. And I'm being a provocateur because that's what I enjoy to do. But also most of you haven't seen these movies and that's a reason you know that we should celebrate them we should kind of like take a look at these again so yeah definitely trying to like get that off the ground and i could only imagine a, an actual real festival not hey let's get together and do this but a real festival that is um that's huge and um it, and it's great because i'm uh definitely I have some movies that are, are listed. I might be looking into some things in the future that I'm going to review and uh, see if I can get in touch with some of the filmmakers. So trying to trying to do a few things. Nice. So could you could you share some of like, you know, notable like moments during this? Because this is a what 2012 is what I read. Um, you know, everything kind of like started the, found, the founding of Black Star started. So over the more than 10 years at this point. Right. Um, what are some of like the the notable like highlights that really like stick out like forefront? I mean, I, I would imagine obviously, you know, each year has its own different like things that like this stuck out because of this or, well, that was the COVID year and we were able to flex in this way. So what sticks out during this journey? Um, yeah, I mean, each year is a miracle and particularly those early years when it was such a side project, you know, I don't think people really realize how much blood, sweat and tears went into putting this festival on. I mean, I had a day job all the time. There were two years when I was freelancing, but that meant I was working more as all freelancers know. And um, it was just like 85% of the labor was me giving up any vacation time, my evenings, my weekends, to organize it, you know, and then 
all these other people giving up a lot of their summer to, you know, work on this festival. And so um, it's, it's hard to remember <laughs> specific <laughs> moments. Um, I mean, I think the premiere of Terrence Nance's Random Acts of Flyness that first season, doing that at the festival was really special. Um, I think uh, we had a conversation. Um, we we used to do an award, a luminary award at the festival each year. And um, yeah, I think um, one year we held sort of an award ceremony at the Kimmel Center yeah. and we had Dorian Missick and Simone Missick as the host of the award ceremony and Blitz the Ambassador was our one, the musical performer. And just thinking about like, how long ago that was and then how big all of them are now. But that night was also just really, really special um, because people, you know, hadn't connected that Blitz was like as amazing as a musician as he was a filmmaker. You know, um, I think about uh, there's one screening. Oh, my goodness. There's this one short screening. I want to say it was 2016 that this happened. And in the middle of the screening, the power went out and it was just like, and it went out after this filmmaker, Ronnie Nicole, had shot something in South Carolina. And there was like this kind of, you know, traditional movement. And these men did like this. And that's when the lights went out. And they went out for like 90 minutes. It was just like, no one knew what to do, but the power had gone out on yeah. the whole block where we were. So there was nothing anyone could do about it. And... Um, everyone was just sort of like trying to figure out, you know, <laughs> what to do with themselves. What we found out later um, was that there had been this marker that went into the ground at that same time that was acknowledging the first African people to arrive on the shores of Philadelphia. Wow. And so it just was like in the moment. And then even hearing that later, like it made sense to, every, to so many of us because it felt that that blackout felt spiritual, you know. So that's a big moment to remember. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That's that's huge. We got it on here. We got it on this podcast. That's, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in in terms of like, you know, sort of like the the impact or what have you, like what sorts of, of stories are, are being told? Because I'm I'm reading, you know, black, brown, indigenous folks that I think a lot of times maybe their work isn't short of getting in some of these other festivals that aren't as inclusive and aren't as like open in that way. So what, what is, what is some of the, the impact that like, like comes to mind and sort of some of the reach, like how broad and how big is the festival like gotten over that, that time? Like where are the submissions coming from? Things of that nature. Our submissions come from all over the world. They are, um, by and large, um, from the U.S. and from the U.K., those are our biggest places, but they come from all over. I mean, um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think this year we have like 27 countries represented, you know, almost every continent. So, I mean, it, it is very much like a um, meant to be a global festival. And we have that. Um, that That is our intention. And um, the submissions grow each year. So I feel like the reach of the festival is growing. Um, we became Oscar qualified in 2021 for shorts. Um, in 2020, we were one of the few festivals that the Oscars used 
in lieu of a screening in person because there weren't any. And so we were one of 20, there were 23 festivals that um, for feature docs could be, um, could qualify you. And we were one of them, which was amazing. Um, we were really happy to be part of that story. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that people are acknowledging our um, curatorial instincts um, for the last several years, uh, whereas in the beginning we were often like looking to Sundance and taking films from there. It has been clear for the last four or five years that Sundance looks to us and particularly with short yeah. festival are going to Sundance after, which is not always the case for an upstart festival, you know. Um, we still have a lot of ways to go. There are people in the industry who, particularly in the last couple of years, as documentary has gotten more commercial interest, um, if we, we're actually dealing with something right now um, where a commercial distributor has their eyes on having something premiere at a different festival than ours, and it creates conflict. Um, and so there are people who still don't really like give our festival the respect I think it deserves. Um, but, you know, we also have like a really lovely, loyal, long-term, you know, audience. Um, and that also continues to grow, which feels great and gets younger, which is a good thing because that means it's relevant, <laughs> you know, to, to people. Um, so, cause old people, we get old, you know, and like, I'm not going out, I'm tired. So it's like, <laughs> it's nice to see that like younger people find value in it as well. Um, and that it's speaking to them, you know, the work that's being shown. I mean, we have a real interest in social justice. We have a real interest in work that is pushing the like pushing genre and pushing the boundaries of what film can do. And so I think an artist like Noitama Budomo or Jen and Kiru, you know, these are or Daryl Oluke. Like I think about these folks and like what they're attempting to do. Sky Hopinka. Um, we're really invested in that kind of making. Um, and so that's also where the festival sits, you know, um, it's not just about representation, although that is where it began. Um, but we really work to move beyond that because particularly the last decade, honestly, the bigger festivals and the bigger corporations have been um, trying to be more inclusive. You know, yeah. sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but they are working at it. What they don't get is beyond just being inclusive. You know, it's also about how people tell stories, why they're telling stories and thinking about how audiences get to them. Right. Like we're not thinking about these transactions purely on a capital basis, even though obviously we need capital to make the work. Yeah. Um, but we're really trying to think about it from like an esoteric and, um, you know, philosophical basis. Like what is cinema to people? Yeah, that's 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 great. I, you know, in the last like maybe maybe two years, there's probably like suggestions that I was given. I, I did an interview with James Spooner um, from Afropunk and hadn't had a chance to see the doc. Right. And he was like, you should check it out. It's on YouTube. And I was like, okay, cool. I check it out. And I was like, I want to do this. I want to do my version of this, but for Baltimore, I don't want to be in it. I'm just going to ape the whole thing. And I, I joked with him when I saw him at um, the small press expo. I was like, yeah, man. So you're going to do um, Afropunk 20 years later. He's like, I don't have it. I don't have it now. I'm done. <laughs> and even in even looking at Swarm, um, Terrence, it, it, I was just like, oh, oh. And, you know, I was referred to go over there by Taib. He was like, you should go check this out. And I ended up enjoying it. And I was sitting there 
you know, listening to, I think it was what, uh, ICA, I was sitting there, like listening to the record playing. I was like, I'm getting a full experience. And I was like, Baltimore, hold up, you know, and I'm doing the whole sort of thing. But these are outside of what I normally would go after. I'm a noob that looks at 80s movies like, oh, man, that's, that's Robocop again. Yes, let's watch this. But being able to dive into something that is is different and kind of turn on sort of the art switch and the creativity switch. It's like, how did they do that? Why did they choose to shoot it in that way? Look at the color here. I'm I'm able to look at it more critically. And I think broadening sort of who's making them, who's making the films, how they're making them and things of that nature. I think that's really important. And I think it leads to sort of that that aforementioned like younger generation seeing that one, my stories matter. The way I'm putting out my stories, my criticism, I matter or what have you from this, this sort of standpoint. Let's see. Uh, I'm just <laughs> so I got. Um, see, I got I got one more sort of like real question. Right. And, um, and then I got what, what you you never get. No one ever gets them. None of the guests ever get these rapid fire questions. But you're going to get the rapid fire questions because everybody gets the rapid fire questions. Rapid fire questions. Fun. Um, so. Um, what what would you say um, you know folks can look forward to to this year? What have you? Is there sort of like any like theme technically? Any theme in terms of the stories that are being told that are coming out for for this festival? Obviously, very minimal detail. Anyone folks to check it out and everything. But um, what can folks look forward to? And what are you looking forward to? I suppose. Um, well, I mean, I am no longer involved in the, all the details of the festival, to be quite honest, which is really lovely. Um, in 2020, we launched Black Star Projects, as I saw in an article today about a canopy um, under which the festival sits and many of our programs. So my interaction with the festival, I no longer program the films. Um, I do have a hand in some of the panel development, um, but I spend a lot of my time raising money um, and doing things, you know, like curating swarms. So um, I, I am looking forward to seeing all the films, to be quite honest. That is something that I'm excited about. Um, but we have a number of world premieres and, you know, of course, like really beautiful shorts programs and really, you know, interesting panel discussions. Um, in the past couple of years, uh, starting in COVID, we had started um, a talk show, which I hosted, um, but we decided to put the brakes on that this year just to be in solidarity with the writer's strike. So we're not having any writing done, um, but we are opening up a stage um, where there'll be like, excuse me, mini talks with directors um, just, you know, to promote their films and for people to get extra time with them beyond the Q&A. Um, this year, actually, what's also exciting is the festival is in a brand new venue. Yeah. Um, so we will be at the Kimmel Center um, and we will um, be on South Broad Street as opposed to University City where we were. Um, so it's going to be a completely different experience um, physically. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that, working with a new hotel partner, new party venues, et cetera. So all of that um, will be really exciting. We've got some great films um, in the festival. We have a film called The Space Race, um, which is a feature documentary by Lisa Cortez. Um, we have um, uh, some short docs, um, you know, short narrative films, just really, you know, it, it's really hard, of course, to be like, oh, what are your favorites? Because I haven't seen them. So I can't say um, for sure this year, but what I've read about, I'm really interested in. 
That's great. And I am as well. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's sort of the the wrap on the real questions. And, and thank you for indulging me now. All of the goodwill that I've established in the last 35, 40 minutes through the real questions, I'm going to piss all of that away now with uh, these rapid fire questions. Folks okay. use side. So here, here's the here's the first one. And, you know, don't overthink them because why would you overthink them? Uh, here's the first one. What word do you believe to be the most powerful word in the English language? What word is the most powerful word in the English language? Um, geez. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's one of those questions, isn't it? <laughs> I guess joy. Okay. See, I like that. See, you got a good answer. Um, do you have a favorite movie with the Philadelphia connection, whether it was filmed there, whether it features like a prominent Philadelphian, uh, if it's supposed to be in Philadelphia, but you can obviously tell it was not shot in Philadelphia. <laughs> mm. So in a reason I asked that question, the, the, the movie, the movie series that I did, it's called shot in Baltimore because I think like not enough things were filmed there. And usually people will say, Oh, this was in DC. And it's like, that is clearly East Baltimore. That is my house right there. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so I'm not from Philly. So I think sometimes the like, Philadelphian kind of things like that sometimes escape me. But when you said it, the film that I thought about was Baby Mama. I think that's the one with Tina Fey. I know that one. Yeah. 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 But I'll, I'll, I'll say that one. That's the first one that came to mind. That works. Um, what's a, a current trend that you don't understand? Like what, it could be social media. It could be film related. It could be like anything that you're like, I am confounded by this. Super long eyelashes. I don't understand. I'm so confused. See, this, this is why we do the rapid fire <laughs> questions because no one's going to be like, so what do, you, what do you think about eyebrows? Here, here, eyelashes, here's the thing. Here's the thing about those. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so this is the, actually, it's, it's, I'm, I'm going to say the last one because you mentioned something earlier and I'm going to hold on to that one. Um, if you could hang out with any fictional character, who would it be? Who would you choose? Any fictional character? Um, probably Hello Kitty. That's great. That's yeah. great answer. Okay, this is the last one. Um, you, you mentioned fashion is a is a love of yours. So I gotta ask, um, what are what are the three words that you would use to describe your fashion sense? Like what are what are those those words? Some people say bright, some people say bold. What are your three words to describe your fashion sense or what you look for in good fashion, I suppose? Oh, um, well, I think my own fashion sense and what I look for in good fashion are two different things. Okay. Um, but I would say, I guess what I look for um, is a sense of whimsy. And uh, I'm also really interested in an appreciation for like fabric and um, craft. And then also just like actual beauty. I'm really interested in things being beautiful for beauty's sake. Um, I'm, I appreciate politics behind beauty. I appreciate anti-beauty as a political statement, all of that. But sometimes just like actual, like sheer delight and beauty is like really, really important. That's a, that's a place where we'll end. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Um, so in these final moments, one. I want to thank you for for coming on and, and, and hanging out with me for, for a little while here. And, and two, I want to invite and encourage you to share with the listeners anything you want to share in the final moments, uh, website, social media, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. 
Sure. Well, um, you can follow Blackstar um, on, well, I can't say all platforms anymore, but on the conventional platforms at Blackstar Fest. Uh, that is also our website, blackstarfest.org. So please, um, you know, follow what we're doing. Our journal scene has its own uh, Instagram handle and Twitter, which is um, at scene underscore journal. And the podcast that I host, Many Lumens, has its own handles on both Instagram and Twitter at Many Lumens. Um, so... And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Maori Carmel Holmes from Blackstar for coming onto the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, culture, and community in and around your neck of the woods. You've just got to look for it. Mm-hmm.